Welcome to Making Waves. Welcome to Making Waves. Fresh ideas and freshwater science. Fresh ideas and freshwater science and, and why, why they, they matter, matter to, you. to you. Making Waves. Making Waves is brought to you. Making Waves is brought to you with support from, from the Society for, for Freshwater, freshwater science. science. My name is Susan Washko and welcome to Making Waves, brought to you by the Society for Freshwater Science. Many of you may have heard of the mistake on the lake or the incident of the Cuyahoga River catching fire in 1969. Infamous for its industrially polluted condition, the Cuyahoga sparked, pun intended, public outcry, leading to the passing of the Clean Water Act a few years later. June of this year marked the 50th anniversary of the burn on the Cuyahoga River, and the river has come a long way. The organization American Rivers even named it the 2019 River of the Year. I wanted to dive into the details of the river and how it's recovered in the last 50 years. First, just a little bit of background. The Cuyahoga is around 80 miles long and flows in a U-shape around northeast Ohio and then into Lake Erie. Along the river are wastewater treatment plants that discharge treated effluent into the river, drinking water reservoirs, agricultural fields, industrial complexes, a large metropolitan area, a public park system called the Cleveland Metro Parks, and the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, among other land uses. This means that the number of stakeholders in the river is really high, which can complicate management. I reached out to three Cuyahoga River experts from different aspects of river management, one with the National Park Service, one with the Cleveland Metro Parks, and a PhD student at Kent State University to learn from them how the river has recovered, how the different parks are involved with the river, and what kind of research is being done to learn about the modern water quality issues the river is facing. My first interview was with Maureen Finnerty, the Strategic Action Plan Coordinator with the National Park Service at the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, to give us a history of the river and a glimpse into the future. So my first question for you, Maureen, is what has happened to the river since it burned in 1969? The Cuyahoga River has burned 13 times since 1868. Since that last river fire in 1969 and even before then, the Cuyahoga has been going through a transformation of sorts. The recovery and restoration of the Cuyahoga River gained significant traction with the election of Carl Stokes, who was the first African-American mayor of the city of Cleveland. Following that river fire on June 22, 1969, Mayor Stokes led a local press tour to the location of the fire as well as to the industrial sites and sewers that contributed to the pollution that caused the river fire. From there, the Cuyahoga gained national attention as the river that burned, but in Cleveland, efforts were already underway to improve the sewer systems and curb pollution. The establishment of the Environmental Protection Agency in 1970 and the passage of the Clean Water Act in 1972 were two landmark events that helped improve the quality not just of the Cuyahoga River, but all waterways across the country. Local efforts included the, the establishment of the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District in 1972 to address the sewer in infrastructure, and since then, along the entire length of the Cuyahoga, efforts have been made to reduce erosion and sedimentation of the river, curb point source pollution, such as sewer overflow, and to improve the agricultural and industrial practices. Uh, Large-scale restoration work within the watershed have also been part of the recovery and transformation effort. What role has the National Park played in the river's recovery? 
following on the heels of the establishment of the EPA in 1970 and the passage of the Clean Water Act in 1972, Cuyahoga Valley National Recreation Area, which was later renamed Cuyahoga Valley National Park, was established in 1974, which would protect 26 miles of the Cuyahoga River between Cleveland and Akron. When the park was established, mining and agriculture had impacted the land pretty significantly. Uh, hazardous waste sites needed to be remediated, and exposed soil was eroding into the Cuyahoga and its tributaries. Since its establishment, um, Cuyahoga Valley has taken on the remediation of those hazardous waste sites, most notably the cleanup at the Crunchy Dump site and the Jate Mill site. The park has also been working on large-scale revegetation and invasive species removal projects. Um, the increased forest cover helps maintain water temperatures in the Cuyahoga and its tributaries, which is important to improving fish habitat. The vegetation also helps reduce erosion, slowing down rainwater, and reducing the sedimentation in the river. The park has also been monitoring water quality and working on projects that improve water quality for the natural resource benefits, but also for recreational users. More recently, the park has also been a regional supporter and a strong voice for the health of the river. In, uh, in 2017, the park joined the advisory committee for the Great Lakes Area of Concern and defined action items to help a broader effort to delist the Cuyahoga River from that area of concern. What are some future goals that the park has for continued improvement of the river? In 2016, the park aligned its work around a strategic action plan focused on the Cuyahoga River becoming a national and international symbol of renewal. That work involves efforts at all levels of the organization on both large and small scales. The park will be working with partners like the Army Corps of Engineers, the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, and the Nature Conservancy to identify and implement large-scale habitat and stream bank restoration projects over the next five to 10 years. In 2019, the Brexville Dam will be removed, which will greatly improve water quality for both uh, natural resource benefits and for improved recreation. The park is one of 10 managing partners on the soon-to-be-designated Cuyahoga River Water Trail, which aims to improve river access and information for paddlers, anglers, and other river users. It's a really exciting time for the future of this river that has come so far in the last 50 years. Wow, that's all really exciting, really cool to hear about. My last question is, what does the river mean to the greater Cleveland community? The Cuyahoga River has always been part of the history of Northeast Ohio. Historically, it fed the canals that brought industry to what was known nationally as a hub of innovation. Uh, following the canals, the river continued to fuel the industrial growth and progress in Cleveland and throughout its valley. Since the final fire in 1969, the river has come to symbolize renewal and progress in a new way. There has been innovation even in its recovery with partnerships and scientific endeavors and community involvement and activism. Um, far from fueling jokes about the dirty river, the Cuyahoga is now fueling tourism, recreation, and an increased sense of pride in this beautiful working river. Um, going from the river that burns to now watching rowers and stand-up paddleboards in the shipping channel, fly fishing and kayaking in the once highly polluted section within the National Park, and increased use throughout what will be the entire Cuyahoga River Water Trail is something about which all of Northeast Ohio should be proud. My second interview was with Jennifer Greiser, the Director of Natural Resources for the Cleveland Metro Parks. She told me about what the Metro Parks does for the river's continued recovery. 
So Jen, my first question for you is, what role has the Metro Parks played in the river's recovery? The role of Cleveland Metro Parks in Cuyahoga River recovery has been interesting to see how it's sort of changed over time. Certainly, the last burning in 1969, there was a lot of industrial contamination, and that wasn't caused by Cleveland Metro Parks, uh, more just that we're trying to be good stewards of the land. And it's interesting for me to even look back before that last burning of the river, our um, founder of Cleveland Metro Parks, um, William Stinchcomb, really had this ethic towards water quality. And I just kind of, I looked up a quote recently from one of our Emerald Necklace. Um, It's a communication tool. It's like a a newsletter, basically, Mm -hmm. that goes out throughout the park district. And it's from the 50s. And if it's okay for me to to read a little bit from that. Um, He writes, since the beginning of Cleveland Metropolitan Park System, that's our original name, it's been the practice of the park board to take samples of water from the rivers and principal creeks traversing the system. Over the years, the trend has been towards a gradual worsening condition of the waters. With the increase in home building and industrial development, this was to be expected, particularly when the building of sewers and sanitary disposal of domestic sewage and industrial waste has not kept pace with the expansion in the homes and industry. Now here's the really good part of the quote. This lakefront and our rivers are great natural resources provided the water can be kept reasonably pure and are one of the greatest assets to a natural park system. Polluted, they become not only unsightly nuisances, but are health hazards. Here then is a community job of great importance. And I just I just love that. <laughs> That's really from our founder. Then fast forward to where we are now and I see our role as being good stewards, helping other people to be good stewards through all kinds of programming about watersheds and water quality and streams and wetlands. We have a watershed volunteer program that really gets people engaged in doing that work. So those are kind of all overarching ideas. Certainly we do stream restoration projects, stormwater retrofit projects, things that are going to improve water quality across the board. What are the challenges to managing a river that has so many agencies and stakeholders involved, such as townships, counties, National Park Service, Army Corps of Engineers, EPA, the list goes on. What are the challenges? The challenges in having so many different stakeholders involved is really stemming from each organization and what are their priorities? How do we help make priorities match? Uh, and different entities just simply work on different timelines. Um, some have expectations of turning around an answer within a week or two, whereas another entity, it may take them a month or more to get that same answer just because they have to work through different channels of communication, different levels of autonomy with the staff. So uh, I chair the Cuyahoga River Area of Concern Advisory Committee. We have 25 different members. A few are members of the public and then everyone else, they range from representing private industry to local government, um, nonprofits like watershed communities. And so they each have different 
levels of autonomy. Some are in the upper management for their organization so they can access data easier or they can ask staff to do certain work to get things done, whereas other people may, may not be in that same level of their organization, so they have to run it through channels and, and that takes time. So I think it's just kind of understanding where each entity is coming from. Um, some of the other things I thought about was just also that we have different strengths. And I think that's where we can overcome those challenges is really to focus on each other's strengths and bring those to the, the table instead of worrying about the challenges. What are some future goals that the Metro Parks has for the river? Some of the goals that we have for the Cuyahoga River are to really continue this great momentum that we have here. Um, 50 years after the last time the Cuyahoga River burned and we've come so far and we just want to continue that positive movement. We want to um, continue to acquire land where it makes sense. We currently manage over 8,375 acres in the Cuyahoga River watershed and, and uh, actually um, maintain land along 5.3 miles of the river. And so those are great ways for us to just um, demonstrate that good stewardship of the land. We want to continue the connections that we've been focused on, connections through pedestrian and bike trails like the, the towpath, Ohio and Erie towpath, making those connections up to the lake. And then also waterway connections. We're really involved with the Cuyahoga River Water Trail and the Lake Erie Water Trail. And so supporting those initiatives um, just to make sure that the more people that are engaging with the river, the more likely that people care about it, so they'll want to keep it clean. Um, the Park District has been supporting my participation with the area of concern, and it's this um, broad Great Lakes wide program that was set up by the US EPA through Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement back in 1987. So the Cuyahoga River is one of 43 areas of concern. And so ultimately, we want to get it removed from this list. <laughs> we want to, you know, get out of detention and get back into to class with all the high-performing students, or in this case, rivers. Mm -hmm. Oh, and kind of a near-term project, which is sort of fun, is we received $1.6 million grant dollars to um, establish public boat docks along the river. Wow. Yeah, so that's really exciting because that, that'll be the first set of um, public boat docks for people to utilize. And then certainly just continuing to look for restoration opportunities and rehabilitation opportunities along the river or any tributaries leading to the river. What does the Cuyahoga River mean to the greater Cleveland community? It's been so exciting to be here in Cleveland at the 50th anniversary of the last time the river burned and just to see how many people were interested, engaged. And so I would really just say that the river has become a great source of pride for the greater Cleveland community. Instead of you know being the butt of jokes or something we turn our back on, it's really um, something that people want to be around um, and, and recreate on. And so I think that's just um, speaks volumes to all of the efforts that our predecessors have done.
My final interview was with Kent State PhD student Shayoni Dada, who researches water quality issues in the Cuyahoga River. So it's been 50 years since the river burned, and the water quality has come a long way. What are some current or modern water quality issues that the river is facing? So one thing that I'm currently working on is uh, pharmaceutical and personal care products, aka PPCP. And uh, I'm actually sampling in the Cuyahoga River currently, particularly in the, the wastewater treatment plant that actually um, is situated on the, the Cuyahoga um, at Kent. So I think um, some of the, the water quality issues that the, the, the river is facing right now, one would definitely be the, the PPCP increase. Um, and it's, well, even though it's from the wastewater treatment plant, it's actually going to the river and that's how it's a source for many uh, drinking water treatment plants as well. So that is something that of course is uh, an issue. Apart from that, it, it shows that um, often um, the, the E. coli concentration um, increases during after a heavy rainfall. So that is also something that the people in the in and around Cuyahoga are trying to mitigate. And of course, the last but not the least, it, it's going to be the cyanide blooms, which actually is really prevalent in Lake Erie as well, but it's also prevalent in the Cuyahoga River. It's mainly it's coming from the agricultural runoffs and the untreated industrial wastes. Uh, apart from nitrates, a lot of phosphorus is also what people have been using as fertilizers these days. So that's that's these are some of the issues. So what kind of research or projects are currently happening to investigate these modern water quality issues? So one thing that, um, that I'm currently working on, as I mentioned earlier, was the PPCP mitigation. Um, so definitely right now uh, what I'm finding from my study is that the concentration of PPCPs are much lower. Um, even in the wastewaters, but this is not going to be the same if this keeps on increasing over the years. So in another 10 years, maybe it's going to be not in nanograms per liter, but maybe in micrograms per liter or milliliter. So that is something that people should definitely consider, especially if, if it has like things like sulfamethoxazole, like an antibiotic, or even like hormones like estron or estradiol, then they should definitely take a, like consider that when it comes to the Cuyahoga River. Another thing is that, like I mentioned, um, the Cuyahoga River is having some issues with the E. coli concentrations currently. So stormwater is actually why the E. coli actually the concentration increases. So they are trying to check stormwater with the use of uh, the smart aquameter um, and also use citizen science. So citizen science is like an important aspect right now with different projects where people are being involved even if they are like not in in the field of science and they would they have these apps that can actually help them monitor uh, the stormwater in different places that is something that's that uh, many people are trying to apply even a lot of projects in kent state are actually involving citizen science right now um, another thing is of course like with the e coli a lot of antibiotic resistant bacteria are increasing in in cuyahoga even like a part of my project actually involves antibiotic resistant bacteria and how to and to see if if we have like a lot of it in the source water and how to control it. Taking a little bit of a broader approach, how can what we learn from the Cuyahoga be applied to other bodies of water? So um, the, my project on the PPCP is focused only on Northeast Ohio. Um, 
But however, it is uh, not just uh, aimed at improving the, the water quality, but most importantly, the drinking water as well. Uh, so similar studies have indicated, um, like whether it's a river or it's a lake, there have been some form of PPCPs uh, in, in Europe as well as in different parts of the United States. Um, and it could be anything from um, an analgesic or a stimulant or an antibiotic or um, even any form of um, hormone. So this is not just um, an, an issue in, the, in Northeast Ohio or Ohio itself, it's a global issue. So we are just uh, a piece of the puzzle. And so uh, in order to uh, improve the overall water quality, the fresh water quality, um, we, need to, uh, we need to contribute to the, to the global body of research by actually looking into PPCPs because this is something that is going to be really important uh, form of research in the next few years. This is truly an exciting time for Northeast Ohio and the Cuyahoga River. As a girl who grew up on the banks of the Cuyahoga, I'm really proud of what our community has achieved, and I can't wait to see what happens in the next 50 years. You've been listening to the Making Waves podcast. For more info, for more info, for more info, please visit us online at the Society for Freshwater Science webpage. Tune, Tune in, in next time, time for another fresh idea in freshwater science.